Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. I started reading books. I was learning about the Black Bank, Eminem Bank, uh, which is the second oldest bank in the nation today, still exists in Durham. I had a chance to learn about North Carolina Mutual Life. Not only was it a life insurance company, but it was basically probably the first venture, Black-owned venture capital fund. They funded a lot of companies. I learned about North Carolina Central that was founded in Haiti and the hospital that they had there and all of these businesses that existed. And so I said to myself, this is an incredible legacy. Like I want to be, you know, part of this to, I want to be part of the next generation to tell this story. Yes, I'm building a company, but at the same time now, there's a greater purpose as well, because I need to let people know what happened here in Durham. You're listening to Honey and Hustle a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, my name is Angela Hollowell. I am your host here at Honey and Hustle. And today I am joined by my good friend, Kerry Willis. He is the CEO and founder of the Haytai app, modeled after the Haytai community in part here in Durham, North Carolina. Kerry, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure to be here with you today as well. Yeah, so for people who aren't from Durham and who are watching and listening to this right now, or even people who are from Durham and just are not familiar with the Haytai legacy and community here in Durham, North Carolina. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for the name of your business and app? Sure. So it actually started during COVID. <laughs> this is a COVID-created uh, company. During COVID, I was working on a project and my company was affected by COVID. And as a result, I was sitting home one day looking at the news. And unfortunately, I found out about the grandson of the Carolina Times, Mr. Edmonds. He had passed away. And when the Carolina Times family, the family said that, you know, with his passing, that they would not continue really working on a paper. And the Carolina Times had been around for the 1920s. It was legacy paper providing, you know, news information for the Durham community. And I said to myself, wow, here we go. Another, you know, black publication is going out of business. And I said, you know, this has to end. This, gotta, this has to stop. And then, you know, I started, I think, reading more news in 2020 than ever before. And I started to look at, I use news aggregators. I use Google News. I use Apple News. I have other apps on my phone for news. But in my feed, I wasn't seeing a lot of content from Black publishers. So I started counting the number of publishers, Black publishers on these other platforms. And I couldn't actually count past 30 <laughs> for the news apps. And I said, wow, this is a big problem. Like, the only way for me to get access to news and information is from a social media feed because the news aggregators didn't have the content. And so that's what actually, you know, was the catalyst for me to say, you know what, I want to do something about this. I think this is a problem that needs to be solved. I can build the technology with my team to be able to get this done. 
And so through that process, I started it in late 2020 into 2021. And so we launched and did a soft launch in 2021 and really started to ramp up last year. But through that process, I was looking for a company name. Obviously, you go across a lot with company names and try to figure out what's going to be, you know, the best fit. And then you look at also social media, because not only do you have to buy a domain name, but you got to also make sure that you can get the, the social media, your Facebook name and the Instagram and everything else. And so there wasn't a lot available that I was looking at. As it turns out, somebody was selling a five character domain and it was heytie.com. And I said to myself, I can't believe this. Somebody selling a five character domain name and it, it's, you know, heytie, you know, that, you know, the legacy that took place here at Black Wall Street, North Carolina's Black Wall Street is amazing that the world doesn't know about and the world needs to know about. And so I acquired the name and I said, this is going to be the name that I'm going to use to be able to build out my app. And that's what basically started. And that's why, you know, the name actually came together. Yeah. I mean, those, those shorter domain names, those brandable domain names, first of all, they're expensive. So I'm not even yes. going to ask what you paid for it because you know? <laughs> I know it was expensive, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they are rare to your point. You know what I mean? Cause I looked at a couple short ones and I was like, oh man, that's going to have to stay where it's at. I'm right. not, <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's worth it. You see Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then I'll tell you, you know, I had been going to Durham. I've lived in Durham for seven years this year, and but I've been coming to North Carolina my entire life. Both of my parents are originally from North Carolina. They left in their early, you know, the late teens, early 20s, and they migrated to migrated north to New York, where I was born and raised. And I can't get them out of New York now, but now I live down here, as well as my other brothers that both live down here. So I started reading books. I was learning about you know, the Black Bank, Eminem Bank, which is the second oldest bank in the nation today, still exists in, in, in Durham. I had a chance to learn about North Carolina Mutual Life. Not only was it a life insurance company, but it was basically probably the first venture, Black-owned venture capital fund. They funded a lot of companies. Uh, I learned about North Carolina Central that was founded in Haiti and the hospital that they had there and all of these businesses that existed. And so I said to myself, this is an incredible legacy. Like, I want to be, you know, part of this. To, I want to be part of the next generation to tell this story. Yes, I'm building a company, but at the same time now, there's, there's a greater purpose as well, because I need to let people know what happened here in Durham. And then I also looked at the downfall, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. I saw what took place with Highway 147. For those people who don't know, a lot of Black communities across the U.S., they drove highways through them. And so there's no difference... That happened here in Durham as well with Highway 147. But then I started looking at also, there's something or there's a building out of all the homes and businesses that they destroyed and knocked down. There's one building that they did not destroy, which is typically, you know, the foundation in, in most Black communities. It's the Black church, St. Joseph's Church. And now, as you know, it, it operates as a community health, a community center, excuse me, community center with events and everything else to take place. And... When I was reading the history of, you know, what took place and looking at that, I could not believe that they named their community. African-Americans named the community Haiti after Haiti. But in addition to that, there are other Haitis that exist in the U.S. So uh, to um, our Haitian brothers and sisters, thank you, because you gave us the inspiration, inspired us to name our community Haiti after winning your independence. But like I'm coming back to St. Joseph's because I want to make this point, which a lot of people probably don't know. And I just, I don't know how I found out about it, but I was doing all this research. The church still exists. 
uh, at the top of the church, there's a steeple. It is a Haitian voodoo symbol that has been there since the 1890s. And, it, and I had to drive there myself to, to look and see it. And it is, in fact, still there. And so not only do we honor them with the name Haiti, but their symbol still is you know, right there in our community for us all to see that this was what we looked back to, to be able to, to create something amazing here in Durham. You just made like a beautiful point, and I think it's fitting that you landed on this note of the church, because the church, ironically, for people who don't live in Durham, is right next to the Carolina Times old building. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, it's, so. and so that was interesting in itself. And so literally, you walk around the corner and the Carolina Times is right there. So all of this was taking place you know, in the early 1900s, as they were building and growing together. And like I said, it's an amazing story that has to be told because I've been to Tulsa. Can't take mm -hmm. anything away. They had an amazing run with their Black Wall Street. And so, but we also here in North Carolina, since I'm here, I want to be able to make sure that our stories are told everywhere, whether it's Tulsa, whether it's Haiti, whether it was the first Black Wall Street, because let's, let's talk about it. The first Black Wall Street that existed was Jackson Wood in Virginia. The second was Haiti. In Durham, North Carolina, the third was Tulsa. And so I wanted to make sure that actually gets out there too. Yeah. Thank you for recommending, like, you know, establishing that timeline because I kept telling people like, you know, Durham's Black Wall Street happened before Tulsa or it yeah. came to fruition before Tulsa. And people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> but I didn't even know that there's a place in Virginia that had one before Durham. So now it's like yeah. all kind of making sense unfortunately, but you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the legacy is still there. Paris Street is still there. And so exactly. we have something. So before we get into the Haiti app, which I definitely want to dive into, right? On some level, what, you know, there is this concept of and movement towards buying black and buying back the neighborhood. And that's like something that a lot of black entrepreneurs strive for. In your mm -hmm. own way, you are buying black, buying back, excuse me, black digital space. You know what I mean? If you think about space and the spaces that we occupy, you're buying that back because now people are not having to depend on traditional media aggregators, news aggregators to find Black-owned media. So tell me a little bit about the concept of taking up digital space. Yeah, this is really interesting because our publishers, as we talked, are basically dying off. It is difficult to drive traffic to any publication that you have, you know, podcasters deal with this too. Some time to time, obviously they're looking for listeners, but for the publishers, they're looking for readers. And so in the digital space now, everybody has to deal with the algorithm and, and, I'll, and I'll come back to that and I'll, well, I'll actually discuss that now. And I'll say this, everybody has a feed. And so your feed is filled with you know, content from based on the algorithm that they think that you want to be able to see and view. Oftentimes, publishers could push or they could adjust that algorithm by boosting content. They pay to do that. The majority of publishers are paying to boost their content. That's why they show up in your feed. Some of them, don't get me wrong, show up organically. But could you imagine if our legacy newspapers and magazines that exist have to compete with you know, thousands of thousands of different other media brands out there and they have to spend the same money to compete? It's going to be a lot harder for them. And so from a digital side, at the end of the day, they, their numbers end up getting pushed, you know, down to the bottom because they're just not going to get the traffic that they need from these mobile users. 
And if they don't get the traffic, they're not going to be able to generate the revenue. And if they don't generate the revenue, they can't hire writers. And so it's basically sort of a downhill slope. And so I understand that slope and I understand, you know, what can be done about it. And that's why from a digital side, I said to myself, the only way to solve this problem is solve it in a way where they're not competing with the you know, thousands of other publishers that exist on these platforms and bring, in, bring this into sort of an all-in-one solution that I can be able to aggregate, I can be able to control the traffic that goes their way and make sure that the traffic goes their way from an audience pretty much that, that are, you know, going to read their articles and really want access to this information digitally. Yeah. And I mean, algorithm is something that, you know, every almost media platform has tried to address in a way that seems, um, one, a good experience for their users, right? So the people yeah. who are using that feel like they're getting fed. If it's not from people they're following or brands are following media outlets that they're following, at least from things that they may be interested in, like topics. So there's always going to be some sort of thing that does in some ways, I won't say control, but definitely does kind of like feed into what you think the user wants to see and wants to engage with. So there's always going to be that. It sounds like what you're trying to do is, yes, we recognize that there's always going to be things that people want to see that they're going to organically see. And there's always going to be that pay for play market. But how can we go in the middle and get people, get brands and organizations and news in front of things, people that want to see it, but in a way that they can see it organically often and frequently when mm -hmm. they use that. And there's another side of it too. Oftentimes, major media doesn't report on stories that are happening in our community unless it becomes like really, really big news. And so what I found that from the app, I get access to so much information locally here, but also across the country that's happening in our community that never makes major media. There are stories that happen, good and bad, that's happening across the world, in the U.S., obviously, but across the world. And now I can be able to get access to that, a story that would probably never show up in my feed. I think that I'll tell you, just given a little bit more background on myself, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, right? And so, believe it or not, I used to read the Black Press when I was in New York. There's the New York Amsterdam News. We, at one point in time, we had a, a, you know, New York's only Black Daily. It was a daily challenge. I used to buy those papers to support them. And then also I get access to, once again, news that I don't see in a traditional media setting. And so for me, it was just this always, you know, transition or even you transitioning down here to support. You, you talk about this movement to be able to support Black-owned. For me, media is always something that I did support or tried to support over the years. But now this is, I guess, the next phase in terms of making sure that I continue that support and that, that support continues, but it continues now on a much bigger scale. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show. Whether you're a day one fan or day 100 fan, I'm so glad that you found Honey and Hustle and have decided to stick along for the ride. As a thank you, I wanted to give you a little gift that this show has so graciously given me. The ability to continue to connect with thought leaders, industry leaders, business owners, and other entrepreneurs, no matter where I am. Link offers a digital business card that is a natural extension of my website and social media platforms that allows me to easily send people to strategic landing pages so they can learn a little bit more about me, the resources I offer, and how we can continue to stay connected. When you click the link below in the description, you'll get 15% off any of their wearables, phone taps, and hopefully the last physical business card you'll ever need.
Thank you so much again for supporting the show and our show sponsor, Link. So kind of staying in line of supporting media and news, there's also now this, I guess, it is present now. It is present. I think it's going to carry over into the future of Black creators, right? So now people aren't waiting to be associated with a media house, a talent agency, any of that. They're just independent creators, you know, also reporting on the news sometimes, also setting trends, also yeah. really driving much of pop culture, which is the most popular thing to report on, you know, now are not waiting to say like, oh, Paper Magazine sponsored this video. Paper Magazine paid me directly to make this video. Right. Like, they don't care. They're just picking up their phone, making TikToks, making Instagram reels, making YouTube <laughs> shorts, yeah. right? And the other half of that, like, wow, it's beautiful that they can just start it. Anybody can start anything, sell anything online or whatever. And the other half of that is who gets credit for a lot of these, like, breaking news stories? Who gets credit for setting a lot of these trends? Not just credit, but also the associated monetary gain from being at the forefront of stories and of, of media. That also has been inequitable as we move forward. And really, like, you know, people who aren't even really journalists now are saying, like, mm -hmm. no, I, I broke this story. No, I, I started this trend. You know, no, I made this phrase popular and searchable and lucrative to put in a headline, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm not getting the credit for that. And so... How are some? How is Haytai hoping to address some of that inequity in creator pay and creator credit? Yeah. So last year we, you know, looked at the podcast industry, and we we saw. Our, well, I listen to podcasts too. Obviously, media. <laughs> the next phase. So in addition to reading all the reading articles from Black media, I listen to podcasts from Black podcasters, other podcasters around the world, right? But. You're absolutely right. Podcasters now, they can break a story with a microphone in their head, right? And it's it's instant. Like they can go on and immediately get that message out to their listener audience. And I was looking and re trying to find these research studies because we know African-American Black folks in general, we over-index when it comes to media. We listen to the radio more. We watch more TV. We use more social media. We use our cell phones more. The research reports started to come out more and more last year. As it turns out, we listened to more podcasts. And I said to myself, wow, now this is really interesting. Creator economy, right? These podcasters are going out here and making it happen, getting a message out. I started, once again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, but it's for the podcast world, there are millions of podcasters. You will get lost. There's just a sea of podcasters. And when you go on, you know, other platforms, and I said to myself, here I go again. I see a problem that needs to be fixed. And I said, the creator economy, specifically for podcasters, I was beginning to look and see what other platforms existed. And I realized nobody had a really large platform or aggregated or curated content from the Black podcasters. So as it turns out, I started work on it. And three weeks ago, Haytai is in beta right now, but Haytai has become the largest Black-owned podcast app. So not only news, but we're also the largest Black podcast app. So we have over 2,000 Black podcasters, including Honey and Hustle, on our app that you can be able to easily access. And now, for the first time, everything is categorized. Anybody who's interested in that content can get access to it. And then I started talking to a lot of the podcasters. We talk about creator economy. I'm going to probably mentioned that a lot here. 
but the podcasters, they have the same issues as some of the publishers driving revenue. You know, it's not until their story gets out there and they got to do the dog and pony show, try to get these brands to sponsor their podcast and they're creating some amazing content like, like you. But a lot of them said, we want to, obviously we're using other tools and other platforms to be able to monetize our podcast. And I said to myself, well, if you're other, using other tools to get mobile users to monetize your platform, and I'll just say, there's a company that starts with a P. I'm not even going to mention it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I said to myself, what can I do about that? And I'm working now to do something about that. My goal is to launch this late June, early July, where anybody who comes to use Hayti, they get a chance to read news, they get a chance to listen to podcasts, but at the same time, they can be able to support, financially support their favorite content creators with a, you know, monthly, a one-time and or monthly donation. And we'll handle the transaction processing for that particular person. And so I want to do that because, you know, people are coming to Hate Talk to read articles. I'm trying to expose them to podcasters and vice versa. But now I want to be able to help monetize the next generation of these content creators so they can be able to stay, you know, in business for a long time so they can make sure that these stories get out there. And oftentimes, as I mentioned, the only way they're going to get that support is from directly from the, the audience that's listening or that's reading their articles and information. And so that's going to go hand in hand. And that will, that's set to launch, like I said, late, late June, early July. That's the next phase in terms of what we're doing to make sure that we support these, these amazing content creators, eight from A to Z. Yeah. And that's, that's so great to hear you say that because you know, when we think about, you know, podcast listening apps as alternatives to your Spotify, your Apple, your Google podcasts, you know, really the biggest one is probably Good Good Pods, which was fashioned after Goodreads, which is like your friends recommending podcasts that they like and listen to on the app. So you can kind of get direct recommendations to find shows more quickly. So you're not depending on a Spotify top 10 and a Apple ranked mm -hmm. list, right? Yeah to get seen because obviously they're not going to cater to indie podcasters who are just starting up, right? Who may yes. be just making just as good a show as, you know, the bigger names out there. No shade to the bigger names. They're awesome, but they often are not necessarily reflective of the community who probably listens to podcasts the most. So, exactly. so there's that. And Good Pods has incorporated kind of like a support button. But again, in terms of really organic reach and really finding like podcasts, if you are listening solo and you maybe don't have friends that are using that app, mm -hmm. how do you find people, right? So being able to have an, I think, media ag aggregation is very interesting as a concept now, but I think we're about to see how important that is now that we're seeing a shift in the journalism mm -hmm. community and like news media community with so many layoffs happening. And Spotify has, has been a part of that. I think they laid off like 6% of their staff this year. And so we're seeing a shift in like, where are all these people going to go? You know, because they're not going to stop creating. They're not going to stop looking for a way to publish their news and articles and stories that they've been researching. So where do they go? How do they make a sustainable living? And how do they reach an audience that would, that would really be receptive to those stories? And now we're seeing like, here's, you know, we need help on the distribution side and on the, the payment continuation side of things. So yeah, the company that starts with a P is great, right? <laughs> but... Unless you actually know the name of the creator, it's not actually helping you very much. It's not going to serve you up people that you want to Absolutely. You know? and, and so that's why the, we're doing the work that we're doing. I say, you know, this, my quote is, 
we're building the future of black media all in one app. And so we are a truly, Hayti is a technology company that supports black media overall. We're building the technology to support black media. And we have the capabilities to send out push notifications to our users via their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. When you come into the app, we are creating sections in the podcast section specifically for popular podcasts and also recently played. We're working with the Black Podcasters Association. A lot of people don't know about them, but we're working with the Black Podcasters Association. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share this today. We actually have an exclusive agreement with the Black Podcasters Association. And inside Haytai, there is, when you go to the podcast page, you will be able to sign up directly to the Black Podcasters Association by looking at a page. And so we want to be able to, we're working hand in hand now and, and that contract, we just got that going. It's live on Android. And by the time this actually goes live, it'll be live on iOS. <laughs> yeah. And so we are working hand in hand with them to get the message out. In addition to that, um, we also have Black Pod News. They, they feature Black podcasters on a weekly basis. Their content is now inside the Haytai app. And so we're doing all of the work that we possibly can to make it easier um, to get them exposure. And, you know, other platforms are obviously, they're not going to do this. This is a paid situation with other platforms. But us, it's not. This is live or die. And we're, we're trying to make sure that our publishers, our, our content creators and podcasters overall, that they stay for the long haul. And we're doing the work that, like I said, that's needed to make sure that we give them as much exposure to be able to generate the revenue for them to be able to stay in business. Yeah, shout out to Corey Grums, who is yes. the, the creator of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know your guy. I know your guy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing in- incredible things. And he actually just partnered with Women of Color Podcasters to highlight Women of Color Podcasters throughout the month of March, which is International Women's Month. So, yeah, a lot of great things that they're doing. And so it's just you're going to see a whole host of people throughout the Black Podcasters Association. So it's not going to be just a monolith of, of creators even within that. So yes. that's what's really going to be cool as we as we think about like, oh, you know, when you think about an aggregator, you probably think of, you know, a monolith of content, but this is going to be really, really cool, inclusive, you know, representation of the podcast industry. Like I said, you know, this is an exciting time. We just launched this podcast piece. So I'm looking forward to sort of the next phase. And I think it has huge legs. Like I said, the, the podcast that I've listened to, I've been exposed to, it's whether it's history, whether it's health. Oftentimes you turn your TV to get access to information or you look at your phone and scrolling through. But like I said, it's, it's that opportunity now exists and it's so easy now to tap into and everything is categorized inside the app. And so we try to make it as simple as possible. Like I said, instead of going, you going on this massive search, you don't have to do that massive search anymore. We try to make it easy for, you know, our mobile users, but at the same time, we try to make it easy for our content creators to tap into, like I said, this listener base and, and viewers of their, uh, that, that consume their content all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question I wanted to end on, and I think you'd be the perfect person to answer this is, you know, you specifically said, Hey Ty is a tech company that supports black media and news versus Hey Ty is a black media news aggregator that just so happens to function through an app, right? So those are, that's a very interesting distinction because we're also seeing in terms of industry, right? A lot of black people are wanting to get into the tech industry, whether that's via sales, whether that's via project management. They really want to get into the tech industry because of 
they pursued financial rewards of being in the tech industry. So being able to work remotely, being able to make a good salary, you know, being able to break in without a lot of experience because the industry is so new, right? And everything is teachable to a certain extent. So there's not a whole lot of degrees that are going to lend itself to the tech industry other than curiosity and a willingness to learn. So we're seeing this spark of people. And I'm not saying people always haven't been interested in Black media because they have or that's dying in any way, but we are seeing this definitely emphasis on mm-hmm. Black people and people in general wanting to get into the tech field. So for people who are interested and in just saying like, well, maybe I want to start my own app or maybe I want to break into the tech industry, what are some recommendations you have for people who may be just looking for a career change and thinking about how they can apply their passions and their interests to tech? Yeah, so this is, that's an interesting question. Um, and, and so just so you know, this is my first app that I developed. And I really didn't know how much it was going to cost. I had an idea, I had an estimate, but it ended up costing me way more than I thought. And so I, it was a learning curve for me. So to help out the people that are listening to this call, listen to this podcast, to, that are thinking about creating their own app, I tell you, go for it. Because at the end of the day, there's not a lot of Black-owned apps that exist, and we need more of them in the app stores. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that I had some help along the way. Work here and in, in every single major city across the U.S., there's probably co-working spaces. And so I've been able to tap into the co-working space here in Durham that's tapped into credits, financial credits that I received from AWS for our server that tapped me into credits for HubSpot for our CMS or content management system. And so you're going to need... You're going to need a, a platform to put your a server platform to put your, your app on, a credible platform, a platform that you can be able to scale with. And so that's also expensive. But while I was doing the development, I was able to, in total, I think we probably received about close to $20,000 in credits, technology credits. And those, those helped that, you know, that's 20000 It didn't have to come out of my pocket. And that helped to be able to scale the business. And then along the way, Something that recently happened is that we needed analytics. Obviously, we need to be able to understand who the users are, they're using that, what they're doing inside the app. We also received recently a credit from an analytics company. And so there are opportunities out there, believe it or not, that exist now that probably never existed before. But I highly encourage people to tap into the, their local co-working spaces to get access to some of these free credits, obviously dollars that they can be able to utilize as they're working on the development, because the development process is, is not easy, it's expensive, and it all depends on the actual app that you're developing, uh, you can end up spending a fortune to be able to get it up and out. And if you can get a little financial assistance along the way, it can kind of help you kind of grow and scale. And so that's some of the advice that I would actually give to the folks listening. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was so needed. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking to see how the app market is going to change and grow and develop as we move forward into people just wanting to create their own space and wanting to do their own thing in a way that serves their community in a way that maybe current apps don't. So thank you so much for sharing your experience making and growing Haytai and giving us a little sneak peek for what we can expect from the app going forward. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. And I look forward to working with you as well. Yeah.